Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porter, Dr. of Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst at Fantasy Points at FB Injury Doc on Twitter. Today we have an extremely special guest. One might say that we're hopping down from a helicopter from uh, some sort of aircraft to say we have a PFF analyst. He's a president of the Cordell Patterson Fan Club. He's a Duke Johnson is a third down running back truther. He is the helicopter master social media savant. He is one at I Harditz on Twitter. Ian Harditz, I got one question for you to start, man. How do you get so good at Twitter, man? You got to show me your ways. <laughs> I appreciate you having me on, man. Hell of an intro. Uh, oh, Twitter, man. It's it's one of those things where, you know, everyone in this industry, you know, you just need to have one. And when I was just first first uh, getting started, you know, a couple hundred followers at the most, that were just all my friends and, you know, writing a bunch of stories that, you know, we're getting anywhere from 10 to 15, you know, page views, maybe at the most. And, you know, it was just one of those things where I was putting so much time into uh, writing my stories and stuff. And I just knew they really weren't getting much attention. And I was coming up with really cool information in them. And I just, uh, you know, I wanted to get that information out one way or another. So I decided, you know, if people weren't going to read it. Well, I, hey, I'm, I'm doing the research. I'm coming up with it. Might as well uh, try to find another medium to get it out there. So definitely have been, a, you know, I, I would say 90% of, you know, all statistical nuggets I'm, I'm sending just, you know, in the midst of researching articles, trying to, you know, two birds, one stone it. And then, uh, you know, I, I love sending memes and getting gifs and having fun with all that stuff, too. I think that's just kind of, you know, being able to. Be able, be able to have fun. You know, I've been doing all this stuff with my friends on GroupMe and things for years. So I think it's just kind of associating with, uh, you know, having a little football twist of things. And then the videos actually, I mean, again, it comes back to the articles where if, if you've ever tried to put an MP4 into an article, uh, you know, it's it's very large. You can usually only include, you know, eight to 10 seconds. So figured out, you know, if you put the videos on Twitter first, hopefully don't get suspended by the NFL, then you can just uh, put the URL for the tweet into an article, get a good minute of highlights, not have to worry about that. So, man, I, it's fun on the old Twitter sphere. You know, it's it's definitely a good way to, uh, you know, uh, release some stress, but ultimately it all comes down to me hoping to get people to uh, read the articles that, you know, I'm putting my uh, blood, sweat and tears into. I mean, that's still pretty intelligent. I mean, that's an extremely savvy thing to go about. You act like, oh, it's no big deal, man. I'm just trying to get people to read my articles. Yeah, well, there's a big reason why people aren't, why every person isn't in your position, Ian. And that's obviously part of your strategy that's working out for you. What are you sitting like at? I think like 15,000, 20,000 followers. I haven't, I haven't looked, honestly. We're, uh, we hit 35K yesterday. So we'll see if we Yeah, can. you're way above that. That's my bad. Jeez. Man, you're, uh, you're a good ass follow on Twitter. Everybody make sure you go follow Ian Hart. It's at, iheartits.com. I like to think that people take themselves too seriously on, on Twitter, especially in fantasy football, man, we're playing a fake game, like button your shirt down a little chill out, like crack a few jokes. That's why people like, uh, you, Danny Carter, um, gosh, who else? Uh, Pete Overzet. I mean, those dudes are, you guys are fun to follow because you don't take yourself so seriously, but at the same time, when it comes down to it, you can, you can bring that heat and that's what you tend to do. I mean, I, it's a it's a prediction business. You now we're trying to predict the future. It's incredibly hard. We're all going to be wrong, like a lot of the time. And you know, it's a lot of people say Twitter's this awful, horrible place. And okay, it can be. You know, there's a reason why I never venture over to politics, Twitter, or anything like that. Oh God, people, yeah. People can be downright mean sometimes. But I will say, you know, when you when you put yourself out there, when you're willing to be vulnerable, admit you're wrong. And I think more than anything, just when you make sound process decisions, I think people are, uh, you know, more uh, more compassionate and more, you know, like even again, we're all going to be wrong. So if someone 
if it's pretty easy to see why you were wrong, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you started someone who got hurt or just something kind of happened out of the blue, people really aren't going to throw you under the bus, I think, as much as you think. So, yeah, I just I would say, you know, don't be afraid to admit you're wrong because we're all going to be wrong. And then, yeah, just uh, just keep it loose, because I think a lot, of, you know, the fantasy football analysts, fan, fantasy football analysts, just fantasy football fans, regular NFL fans. At the end of the day, we all love football. So, you know, as much as, you know, people like to, you know, quote tweet the idiots and their mentions and this and that. I think at the end of the day, you know, just the more we can talk about this game that has brought us all together in the first place, uh, the better. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, man, the first time that I came across your stuff, it was with uh, Action Network. So was, that would have been, I think, 18, uh, maybe maybe last year, maybe 19. Um, no, because you were with Roto in 19. So it must have been 18. And I was like, man, this dude's good. And you, to me anyway, and maybe this is just a, a product of me just for the first time venturing into like advanced sharp fantasy football Twitter. Um, but I kind of feel like you came out of nowhere, man. So I'm kind of curious what your, what your story is and your come up and what that looked like. Yeah. You know, I feel like I've been, uh, doing, doing the grind and, uh, doing at a high level for four or five years now, but it's definitely been uh, the last two or so that I feel like more people have, uh, taken notice. And unfortunately that's kind of what you got to do. I think, uh, in this industry and in a lot of industries to, uh, to get started, you know, you have a long stretch where even if you are doing really, really good work, there's just not enough people paying attention. So I think uh, you just continue to do that over time, keep the grind on week after week. Eventually, uh, you're going to stand out if, if, if you're good. And uh, just me personally, man, I, I played football uh, up until my sophomore year of college. So I was always, you know, not so much thinking about the uh, fancy side of things. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was more just the game uh, I fell in love with. I mean, just my whole life when I was like six and seven, I was sending a you know, X and O plays I drew to uh, Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells trying to. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, trying that's to get awesome. their attention. You know, I was always reading uh, just as many football books as I can. And, you know, really once I got, uh, like when I was 18 or so, I just started reading a ton of just every football article I could find and, you know, all the Bleacher Report slideshows, anything and everything. And I just kind of got to the point where I, I was like, okay, I, I was reading articles and realizing that, okay, you know, this person left out this pretty massive argument uh, that goes against their point. And it's, I, and I, I started catching on to that, you know, more and more frequently, or just like, you know, questions that I wanted to ask that weren't being answered. And, you know, it was kind of one or two things where the author was either not thinking of those questions, which is bad or worse. They were thinking of those questions. They didn't fit their argument. So they decided not to address them to make, you know, whatever phony argument they're trying to go with sound better. So it was one of those things, man, where like, you know, my degree was in, it's, it's in finance. I mean, I you know didn't exactly go to college, uh, you know, with journalism in mind, but I just thought I could be better at, you know, writing about football than other people at one point. So I decided to go out there, try to do it, emailed, you know, every writer I could find, reached out on Twitter and just offered my, you know, free research services. I said I could come up with article ideas, prepare all them, research all them and let, you know, the established author uh, write about it. Luckily, uh, Jonathan Bales took me up on the offer, uh, you know, when he was just getting started. I think he came up with Fantasy Labs a couple of years later. Um, was able to kind of get in close to the bottom floor of that after I decided my uh, consulting job wasn't for me. But yeah, man, so just grinding with uh, Jonathan Bales, the guys at Fantasy Labs, Action Network, week over week, you know, went to Roto last year and now I'm a PFF. So it's been a, uh, you know, it's been about seven, eight year journey. I know I'm still pretty young in uh, age, but, you know, I feel like I'm a veteran of the industry at this point and, uh, you know, excited to keep on getting better. 
That's amazing, man. You, yeah, I remember you jumped for me. Like I said, it, it obviously was just a product of me jumping onto the sharp fantasy football scene when I noticed you. And, uh, yeah, you were bringing that heat, man. And now you sort of reached the top of the food chain, at least as far as I'm concerned, um, when it comes to companies and places that you, that you're putting your content out. So that's badass, man. I remember one time, first of all, I have a question for you. What position did you play? Linebacker, man. Love that. You were a linebacker. How big are you? Uh, I'm about six two, two ten now. So I, I was a little undersized back in the day, but uh, you know, it was it was one of those things where you know I, I say I used to play football. Like there was never a shot in hell I was going to the NFL. So I don't. Like, <laughs> That's you know, none of us, right? Yeah, and you know, I, I don't think you need to have played football to be uh, good in this industry. I, it does help. It just helps with the understanding of football, which is going to help with anything. But yeah, man, uh, I used to love cracking cr- uh, cracking skulls at the line of scrimmage back in the day. God, man, that's, that's, it's the things that you learn about people is I, I never would have thought that you played up until sophomore. Where'd you play? If you don't mind telling me, uh, university of Chicago D three, but Hey, we had the, uh, first Heisman winner, Jay Burwanger back in the day. Wow. That's amazing. That's badass. Yeah, man. So now that you're at PFF, right? Have you, what, what have you, what's one main thing that you've learned with all these? Cause they have all these nuts data points, right? And data sets. Like, is there anything that you specifically like about being at PFF now that you didn't, the perks, a perk that you didn't necessarily have before, or is it pretty much all the same? Yeah. I mean, obviously nothing against the uh, Roto world and NBC had an awesome time working there, working with a ton of smart people. Uh, PFF for me is just more of a pure, you know, they don't do other sports. It's just pure football trying to get smarter. And it's, there's always been this weird divide between your quote unquote analytics people and your quote unquote film guys. And I I think the whole thing is laziness from both sides, not being willing to try to um, address all the information out there. I mean, think of any, you know, think about, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're a doctor dealing with medicine and stuff. Like why would you not try to learn about some new method or you know right right that's coming into the industry so these people that are willingly like you know i've heard people say before they don't watch film because they don't think that you know it's gonna help. like no that that's absurd like watching film helps you decide what analytics are good and representing what's on the film i mean obviously analytics are helping save time but at the end of the day they're just trying to quantify what we see on the screen and so i know things like pff grades can get some flack sometimes because you know they're not going to be perfect when we're trying to make subjective uh, decisions about a game as complex as football like we don't know the play calls so it's going to be hard to you know determine responsibility now it's not impossible and we're doing our best at that but you know it's just one of those things where i think people are too quick to throw it all out and you know i really respect pff just you know they've been doing this for 10 years now even maybe more where you know they're just trying to perfect that process you know continue to get better and uh you know not really listen to all the haters about it because you know if they did that from day one i'm sure they wouldn't be in the uh position they are now so just you know uh being a being willing and you know able to just look at every single uh part of football trying to you know just continuously get better understand it more you know i think it's similar to my general philosophy where i've never you know, I, I never tried to uh, mark myself, you know, inside this box as, you know, a specific, you know, I, I got going the DFS uh, side of things. Uh, and, you know, now I'm, you know, more, str- a little more redraft, but I've always just wanted to be football. I mean, cause at the end of the day, you're not going to be a good uh, fantasy analyst, DFS analyst, whatever you want to be. You're not going to be good if you don't understand the game of football at its core. So I think uh, having their reason, man, like, you know, I know a lot of people have PFF edge out there, but we got ultimate behind the scenes and my 
goodness, the amount of, you know, variables you can check on anything. I mean, you can do the most loosey goosey, you know, throws to the right sideline on third and eight with, you know, pressure <laughs> and the double, like, obviously those aren't going to be applicable, but you can like look at so many different variables that, you know, before I used to have to just, you know, try to dig through, you know, next gen tweets, you know, try to find these man zone types of things. I mean, you know, I've, I love, I still love pro football reference and all these things uh, in these, you know, free tools that are still very helpful that the average person, uh, you know, can learn a ton from, but just having this now like database where it can, again, just, you know, literally answer almost any single question I can come up with just with kind of rudimentary Excel skills. And it's been a blessing for sure. That's a, that's like a dream for you though, right? Having all that, all that stuff at your disposal if you want it. Yeah, man. And that's, you know, it's, I, I see everyone using a, are all the time. That's great. It's, it's a good program, but you know, personally, uh, I, I just, I've, I've known V lookup and pivot tables, you know, dating back from college and I'm, I'm well-versed in those. And I mean, honestly, just most football questions I have now with that database, you know, at my disposal, I can just answer now within, you know, five or so minutes. You know, I, I think a lot of times we overrate how long, uh, it might take us to answer a question. So I've learned just to kind of trust my gut. If I have a thought on something, you know, maybe it'll end up being a cool takeaway and yeah, having all this stuff at the disposal makes that whole process worlds easier. Well, it's like a, it's like a freestyle rapper, right? Like it's like a battle rapper. Somebody's like, Oh, can you do a freestyle? And they've had so many, so many bars in their head over the years and like so many beats that they've rhymed over already that they already have like, so it's like, it's like a freestyle, but it's like a pseudo freestyle because they've been, they've basically had all these bars in their head. That's what I thought of when you said that, like you yeah. looked at so many statistical data points and you've done so much research over your, over the time that you've been doing this, that you do have like at least an idea of what the answer to a question might be. Yeah, man. No, I think that's a great point. That's why, you know, I hear people say, uh, you know, oh, like I'm, I'm better winging it or, you know, they don't, they don't put any sort of planning in their podcast because they think it'll go better without winging it. And no, you shouldn't be writing out every single word you're going to say, but you know, I love this quote. I think it was from, uh, uh, it's from some general, but it was, uh, you know, pl plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. And I, I think that really rings true in almost anything where, you know, just the simple act of sitting down for a half hour, collecting your thoughts, you know, thinking about what topics to hit on, just, you know, a, a loose outline. It's never going to put you in a bad position. I, I think the idea of winging it is more often or than not an excuse for being lazy. And you know what, maybe there are people out there that are truly better at it. I am not one of them. And I think, you know, just it's, Look, man, it's an open note test. Like, why would, you know, if, if you were back in school and someone's like, hey, you can have your laptop, you can have notes, you can plan out exactly what you want to do for this presentation. And you're just going to say no to any of that. Like, it doesn't even make sense to me. So, you know, again, you know, to, to each their own in their process. But to me, you know, if you can just put a little bit of planning to any of these articles or podcasts, it's going to help so much, man. Hey, as you said, like, you know, the freestyle rappers, I'm. Uh, they're not going out there and just completely bullshitting Like they were able to freestyle because they've already done all these things. You know, you look at eight mile and Eminem doing it. Like he, he was writing out notes before his final rap Yo, battle weeks oh, before. So you know, have your, have your subjects that, you know, you're knowledgeable about. Don't be worried about hitting every single word correctly. Cause that's impossible, but you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, putting a little planning into the everyday job. Absolutely, man. So sort of on that same note, what would you say to, to the people. So that's for like content creators. So the one, it seems like the one piece of advice you'd give to them is just prep, be prepared. Don't bullshit. Don't wing it. Give yourself some time, give yourself the best opportunity to answer questions correctly, write a good article, make a good pod podcast. What would you say to 
fantasy football players at large, what's one piece of advice for them? Like, what do you, what mistake do you commonly see redraft or DFS players or, or any of those types of players? What kind of, what mistakes do you see them make? Um, we get really sucked into one week um, sample sizes. And if you're, if you're doing DraftKings, like that's, that's fine. You, you know, you're playing DFS. That's kind of the name of the game, but especially in redraft. I mean, we just see like, I'm, I'm sure in week one this year, some wide receiver three or wide receiver four is going to go off for two tutties and everyone's going to want to spend all their fab, or, you know, blow their first waiver thing, like on that guy, expecting him to do that the rest of the year. And you just need to try to look at the bigger picture. You know, did this guy do this with, you know, the starting 99% snap role and he's, you know, been talked up the whole off season, then, okay, maybe we should be investing in that guy, you know, like a Terry McLaurin uh, type situation from last year where it's like, all right, well, he is their number one receiver. Apparently the guy looks really good. You know, maybe we should expect this uh, to continue, but they're just fluky situations, man. I remember last year, you know, we were calling Malcolm Brown, the Rams goal line back after one week and, <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, okay, if you only look at the carries inside the five-yard line, you might come up with that conclusion. But, like, this is what I'm saying. Like, analytics doesn't tell the whole picture because you watch those games and you see that, no, the Rams had Gurley in there and they ran five or six plays. He got tired. They ran another play. They were inside the five. Brown stayed in the game because he was already in, and they did their thing. And sure enough, the next week, Gurley, you know, scores from three yards out. So just, uh, you know, when you have these questions and you know you're making these kind of big assumptions about workload just i would really caution you know look at the snaps look at the situation and just just be willing to uh you know go against the grain there because uh you know not i feel like not every uh you know uh kind of fantasy topic that goes viral is always necessarily all that uh super thought out such as the malcolm brown uh, goal line touch a lot of these you know vulture type roles really aren't as persistent as we make them out to be you know maybe with the exception of our guy Taysom hill so uh you know i would i would just say like don't be a you know it's I, I obviously I can't expect, uh, you know, the normal fantasy player to, you know, have the time throughout the week to watch every game and, you know, go through every snap count like, you know, I'm trying to do myself. But, you know, at a minimum, you know, when you're making a roster decision on a guy and, you know, there's some wide sweeping argument out there, just try to take, you know, the five, 10 minutes, you know, the, you know, go to their game log and just check the snaps, try to validate what you're hearing out there because it's, it's not always true and you know again if you can just you know you, if you have nfl game pass you know just go to pro football reference or pro football focus and you'll be able to you know to again answer a lot of these questions you have in five to ten minutes after a little practice so i think that will go a long way towards uh you know helping people not fall into some of these holes that you know are bound to arise during any given week don't be slave to the box scores right yes, the box yes, scores don't tell the whole story so Let's move on to some positional guys because you've been putting out some fire ass pods on, you know, uh, team breakdowns for fantasy purposes. And I want to know wh who one player is at each position that you love this year. Yeah, I just came out with an article. It's just, you know, my favorite fantasy football picks from this offseason, my guys, and went through just some of the guys I'm consistently coming away in drafts, you know, of all shapes and sizes at running back, uh, James Conner, someone I just keep targeting and interested to hear your take on him because i know you know this is one of those guys where we're all just worried about him getting injured and you know my thing is that's already being baked into his adp if, if connor was a guy that we had no injury concerns with he would be a top 
you know, six, seven running back in all likelihood, because that's what he's been every single time he's been on the field. You know, in 2018, weeks one through 13, he was a PPR RB4, I believe. He finished the season as the RB6. Last year, even with Rudolph and freaking Duck Hodges under center, this dude was the PPR RB9, you know, until he got hurt in week eight or nine. So, you know, maybe this is just, you know, one of those uh, people who are truly injury prone. I know you hate that word and, you know, don't believe it. But, you know, there is some risk with Connor. I get it. But that's why he's being drafted outside of these top 20s. You know, people taking your Fournettes, your Gurleys, your your Carsons. I just think in that general tier, there's already questions with everyone involved. And you look at someone like Connor and it's like, well, if things go right for him, they're really going to go right in a manner that I don't think is, uh, you know, has the same upside as the other dudes in that tier. So, you know, when you can get Connor as like your RB3 you know, around uh, four or five or so. I've just been happy to scoop him up. Uh, moving on to wide receiver, Adam Thielen's a guy where I've as my PPR wide receiver six. You know, I saw people have him wide receiver 16. I do think in general, you know, after kind of the big four, big five, if you want to include Hopkins, you know, we could debate where a lot of these guys are going. But too many people, I think, are just simply looking at last year. They see a Stephon Diggs, 94 targets, and, you know, it's a run-first offense. And they're assuming the volume's not going to be there. I mean, Gary Kubiak, for as much of a running back whisperer this guy is, he's had, you know, Andre Johnson, Rod Smith, even like Ravens, Steve Smith, Demarius Thomas. Like, he has spearheaded plenty of elite fantasy wide receiver ones over the year. I mean, his normal wide receiver one averages 138 targets per season. And, yeah, there's, you know – okay, Thielen had the hamstring injury and, you know, and now he doesn't have digs to help take away coverage. And the thing is, man, like, you know, especially in fantasy, we just want the volume. So the concern about Diggs uh, not being there to take away coverage, I think is a little bit mitigated by Thielen, getting some extra snaps in the slot and just honestly being a good player in his own right. I mean, I think we've seen enough from him. And as for the injury concerns, I mean, this is a ridiculous, I, the James Conner, I understand, but calling Thielen this injury prone guy after he dealt with a hamstring injury, came back in the playoffs and balled the hell out for two weeks. And the guy literally hadn't missed the game in his career until last season. I just think, uh, again, the concerns are being way overblown for a guy that could no joke see at easy 150 targets. Uh, and quarterback, you know, I've been talking about Cam Newton all offseason, you know, ADPs finally inside the top 20. And it's just a situation where like, OK, there's some risk here. I get it. But you're telling me you're going to draft like 18, 19 quarterbacks ahead of Cam freaking Newton. The guy has never been worse than QB 13 and fantasy points per game. That was just one year. Other than that, he's been top eight in every single season. So if he's just out there on the field, we should expect him to smash uh, that, you know, ADP. And, you know, people saying that, okay, Stidham and Hoyer, maybe this is actually a QB competition. I don't know, man. I just think uh, we're underestimating what a healthy Cam Newton can do. And, I mean, come on. Like, this is the weakest competition we could ever even ask for. I mean, if you just truly believe Cam isn't a top 30 quarterback in the league, then then fine. But, you know, it's a situation where it's really not costing you much to find out. And we've seen the ceiling, and it's incredibly high. Uh, finally, tight end. Chris Herndon, man, this dude has finally been getting some uh, uh, rise this week. You know, Adam Gase coming out saying, hey, you know, this he is our starting tight end. And, you know, Jameson Crowder talking about how great Herndon's been in practice. But even before then, it was a situation where I didn't understand why everyone was so afraid of him. He's still being drafted outside the top 20 tight ends. I mean, the list of rookie tight ends to average at least eight yards per target since 2000 is Herndon, Mark Andrews, Gronk, Hunter Henry, Heath Miller, Aaron Hernandez, Noah Fant, Jordan Reed, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle. I mean, this 
rookie tight ends never do anything. And Herndon was one of the very few guys to actually produce at an incredibly efficient level. It's not like he went out there last year and couldn't play. He was suspended and then he pulled his hamstring running routes on air. And I think played like six total snaps the entire season. So, you know, Ryan Griffin, like we were talking about him just being in the way for Herndon. It's like, no, there's too much talent there. The price was too low. And, you know, as, as bad as, you know, being in an offense with Adam Case and Sam Darnold might be, again, like it's a weak depth chart. You know, it's a situation where Herndon, his top range of outcomes is as the number one wide receiver, um, this number one receiver in this passing game. And again, it just doesn't cost anything to get there. So kind of general idea with all four of those picks is like, okay, there's concern here, but I just think the concern is being baked far too highly into their ADP considering most of these guys have, you know, a proven ceiling that is a top 10 player at their position. Oof, man, you just brought the fire in like five straight minutes of pure fantasy football bliss. You named, you named James Conner, Adam Thielen, Cam Newton, Chris Herndon. Those are four dudes that are, that are, you know, two. I'm not as concerned about Thielen from a, from an injury standpoint. Connor, I am a little concerned, but like you were saying, I think if you get him as as an RB3, you really mitigated your risk at that point. Um, I don't personally feel like he can stay healthy um, for a lot of different reasons that I could be right or wrong, but I just, he's one of those dudes that like you have to prove it. And the reason that I'm down on him is because he's only, since his rookie year, he's finished 13, 12 and nine games in a season. It's, it's only getting worse. And so I just wonder if there's something going on there with his connective tissue based off of his cancer history and stuff like that. I'm not saying that's what's going on, but I'm just, I'm wondering out loud if that's the case with Connor. So he's, he's the only one that I would be, I would be hesitant to take. But again, if you're getting him in the fourth round, fifth round, even sixth round, like that's hard not to pull the trigger at that point. So, I mean, I don't hate you for that at all. I, I definitely can see the, the appeal to James Connor when it comes to Cam Newton. The only reason, the only reason Cam Newton wouldn't start in week one is because the foot isn't ready yet. Yeah. Now we know that the average return to time, return to play time for the Lewis Frank injury is about ten months, but there's a standard deviation of three months. So basically, anywhere between seven and thirteen months is when players can come back from that injury. We haven't heard that he's behind. We haven't heard that he took you know some sort of uh, some sort of setback that some sort of setback happened to him. So you know, but here we are sitting in almost September already, which is crazy to think about. By the way, yeah. here we are in September. And he's going to be nine months removed from the surgery. I don't see why he wouldn't be ready by week one. Um, He wouldn't necessarily be ahead of schedule. I mean, maybe slightly ahead of schedule. But if all you have to do for an entire offseason, especially when you're in quarantine, is rehab and get your body right. Like, I, I don't see why that wouldn't happen. And you're right, man. The thing about Cam Newton, why the hell? Like, when people say, oh, I'm not necessarily caping up for Jarrett Stidham. Like, I just don't. I just want to hear it out of Belichick's mouth. If you don't take an like a former MVP of the league who is only, you know, 30, 30, 31 years old, you are automatically by not assuming that they're the starter, you're automatically caping up for the other guy who hasn't how many passes has, has Jarrett Stidham thro- thrown in the NFL? Like we have we have four regular season passes. Four. <laughs> it's it's a great point, man. Like look, if this was a 
less, you know, sharp organization where we had to worry about them trying, you know, to fit cam, like a, a round peg into a square hole or something like that. Maybe that would be a concern, but like, you know, go back to 2016 when Brady was suspended and like Garoppolo uh, then got hurt and they had to put like a rookie Jacoby Brissett in there, like on a short week, they revamped the entire offense to his strengths, you know, used a bunch of triple option motion and things they haven't done. I mean, the Patriots have made a living, you know, just changing their game plan week to week to suit their players' strengths and attack their opponents' weaknesses. And, you know, it's one of those things where they talk about, oh, Stidham's more experienced in the system and this and that. Like, Cam Newton is the system, and they're going to do everything they can to help him thrive there. And, okay, Belichick's not going to come out and say Cam, you know, is the undisputed starter. But, man, like, did he even really say that for Brady over the years? I just feel like that's something <laughs> that – I'm pretty sure it's a competition every year. Like yeah, that's exactly. what he according to him. Exactly. So it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, let's read between the lines here. And again, it's okay if we need to spend a top ten quarterback pick on Cam. You know, okay, that's when we could back off. But like, what? Okay, you could take Ryan Tannehill, Ben Roethlisberger ahead of Cam this year. Like, come on. Yeah, this is just ridiculous. Those other dudes, I don't have a big problem with either Herndon and Thielen. So moving on to this last most important question that I really want to get answered. Can you rank your top football or sports movies? Ooh, What's so, the top 10? I don't know if I can rip off 10 for you, but a couple thoughts on them. Friday Night Lights, the movie, I think is has the best football like action in it, just in terms of the plays going on and all that. But honestly, like I watch these movies and I just start picking them apart and it's, it's so ridiculous sometimes, man. Like, you watch Remember the Titans again. Oh, so bad. The football is like, so bad. Dude, it is awful. We got, uh, you know, the, the, the linebacker, Gary, like, sprinting over the opposing <laughs> sideline and just sticking his fingers straight in the opposing coach's face and, like, nothing. There's no <laughs> ramifications from that. Last game of the – it takes freaking Coach Boone until the last play of the entire season to be willing to change from his six-play offense, and he goes with a double reverse from, like, 70 yards out, and it somehow, like, freaking works. It was unbelievable. You know, it reminded me of when – uh, you know, uh, Paul George said Dame Lillard's like last shot of the season was, you know, still a bad shot, even though it went in. It's like, yeah, Boone, that was an awful play call, man. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> um, any given Sunday, I think, is really fun. Uh, you know, obviously, the, you know, person losing his eye during a real football game was kind of funky, but just a lot of the behind the scenes stuff there. Al Pacino was freaking killing it. Um, Friday Night Lights, a TV show is really fun to hate watch. Cause like coach Taylor is just like the worst game manager of all time. And, you know, just like actively putting Matt Saracen in above, you know, that five-star like transfer recruit that they ended up meeting up with in the state title game. It's just like, what are you doing, man? Just like a typical high school coach trying to run his team. So, oh man, it's, I, I love to like hate watch football movies because they're never, you know, realistic as a, as they should be uh, draft days. Another one where you just like, you look at the moves they're making and they're trying to make it this realistic sharp thing and just ends up being anything. But so I would say, remember the Titans remains my favorite, but like, Oh dude, you, know, you can't just based on principles. I can't be your favorite. No, but like it, it's my favorite for like the wrong reasons. Like, obviously it's not like a good football movie, but it's like so laughably bad. I just love like hating on it. How does that even happen? I don't even know how they let that get to the freaking movie theater, man. Like how they put it out on, like, did nobody watch that? Did no football player, would nobody in that room ever play football and just look at it and be like, Oh man, that's bad. Like, I don't understand that. 
we're like 10 years away from it not holding up all that well either. I mean, there, there's a point where Boone just chastises a player for like wanting water. And he's like, we're going yeah. to do up downs until so-and-so isn't thirsty anymore. Right, like, oh, right, right, yeah. right. That's <laughs> so awful is that. It's so funny. Dude, right, I don't know if you heard. Real quick, underrated ahead, one from back in the day, the program. That's a great one, man. I, I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh. It's like a, they try to be like a Florida state type program and like their quarterbacks, like a Heisman contender, like their, their defensive uh, linebacker MVP is on the juice and just going wild until he fails a drug test. And like, there's a, (laughs) my favorite scene is like, they have a running back who, uh, has a fumbling problem. So the coach gives him a ball and he has to carry it all around campus. And he puts like a bounty on, um, you know, he says like, Hey, any defender that can get this ball back to me, I'll give like a thousand dollars to. They're in like the middle of some like lecture and like someone pokes the ball out and just like 10 players go diving on it. It's like, <laughs> again, it's a bad movie, but like, it just hits like some of these absurd, like nineties football storylines. So yeah, I would say anyone out there that, you know, wants a good laugh, check out the program for sure. Okay, I'm gonna have to watch that one, man. The thing about so my I think I'd have to say that Friday Night Lights the movie is my favorite based off of like the emotions that it elicits. Yeah. Like it's just a good, good ass movie. Like it, and just ignore miss me miss me with the well actually Permian lost to um in the sub state championship. They didn't make it I don't care, man. It's a good ass movie. That's what I wanted to watch, all right? You got any yeah, other movies the, you want to uh, hit on? The explosions in the sky soundtrack is oh, the soundtrack, man. I still listen to that. I'm uh I know a lot of people, they talk about when they write, they want, they don't, they can't like have music on. I've kind of overcome that just with songs I've heard a million times, but I'm man, like when, when I'm editing my stuff, particularly it's, it's really helpful to just throw on explosions in the sky, get the, uh, you know, Friday night lights, uh, juices flowing. Uh, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd say those are the top movies for sure. All right, man, this has been a good ass time. This is fun. Um, came with the heat, came with the movie takes, um, you got, you got, you got, you covered the bases exactly how I, I knew you were going to do the last thing I have for you here. And it can be fantasy football related. It can be something that you already said. What's one bandaid of advice here on the injury prone fantasy football podcast. We give out band-aids of advice. So what's a small piece of advice that you'd give the listeners? Um, let's go. Okay. I just wrote an article got published this morning about, uh, defenses and, you know, normally I think we should remove kickers and defenses from, fantasy leagues but i realize not everyone's gonna do that so uh you know looking at havoc and uh you know just defenses with able to fill some of their holes during this offseason really good secondaries uh, i came up with five defenses everyone should be looking to target you know these are Ooh. not not top five adp defenses because obviously i don't want anyone out there spending anything other than a second to last round pick on the position don't draft a defense if you're able to like go pick a backup running back you know, see if someone gets injured before week one and then cut them before them. But if your league requires you to draft a defense, you know, you're not reaching on it. I would say the New Orleans Saints, the Los Angeles Chargers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Indianapolis Colts, and Philadelphia Eagles all have an ADP between 7 and 18 are my picks thanks to their, you know, respective strong fronts, improving secondaries. You know, it's run defense is one of these things where it's a lot of the good teams these days are more or less not ignoring it, but they're putting more resources in the secondary. So it can be a little, you know, if you just look at the correlations between, you know, targeting defenses that have bad run defenses versus, you know, bad secondaries, it's just clear at this point that, you know, sometimes it's a mirage, you know, you don't want to like the Buffalo bills last year. I think we're like fifth in overall DVOA, but you know, had a 12 or 15 rank difference and pass versus run, you know, again, just focus on the defenses that have a pass rush, 
have a good secondary. And again, that's the Saints, Chargers, Bucks, Colts, and Eagles. Man, straight fire. Just dropping down to say that's straight fire. <laughs> we are here. Thanks again so much for coming on, Ian, man. It, it really means a lot to me. I know you're busy, especially with the, the football season right around the corner. So everybody make sure you go and follow at iHeartits on Twitter. That's I-H-A-R-T-I-T-Z. And make sure you follow everything he's doing over at PFF. Uh, good dude, smart dude, funny-ass follow, good at Twitter, good at fantasy football. Just spit some straight fire for you. So for Ian, for me, for my dogs that are sitting outside the door, this has been the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast with Ian Harditz. Thanks for listening.